Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, we're talking with Devin Carroll about getting smarter with your Social Security. Devin is a financial advisor and a Social Security educator through his blog and his YouTube channel, Social Security Intelligence. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Devin, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, glad to have you on. We're from the upper Midwest. Uh, I don't think uh, you call yourselves the Midwest, even though you're from the, the southern Midwestern part of the U.S. Uh, where, are you, where are you coming from? Uh, we're in Texas currently, the northeast corner, right at the uh, border of Arkansas and Texas. Yeah. If you now, can hear uh, that in my voice. I, <laughs> I could. Uh, by the time we're done talking, I might uh, be sounding like you. I just naturally pick that up sometimes <laughs> accidentally. So that's, that's You might a... have an inclination to put your boots on by the time we're finished, right? <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> I like it. Good. Well, you've been uh, a Social Security educator for, for years. How'd you get into that? Oh, well, that story goes way back to 2012. And, you know, it's a story I haven't actually told that often. But uh, if if you want to hear it, let's tell it. I'd love right? to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's not the story that a lot of people think when they're thinking about their ascension into success. It actually goes back to I spent the first eight years of my career as a financial advisor at one of the big box firms. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, I decided it was time to leave. Actually, I made that decision in 2009 and spent about a year getting ready and finally pulled the trigger and hit the exit door in 2010, about midpoint in the year. Uh, I remember my wife was eight months pregnant at the time. And um, for whatever reason, I thought that would be good timing for me to leave. <laughs> and so I, I left and spent about the next year trying to transition this business over with the clients that wanted to follow me. I was covered behind no compete contract, so I, I couldn't do much. Uh, it was just kind of a nasty situation. Mm -hmm. What ended up turning out is the transition didn't go quite like I'd hoped it would. Right. Okay. I, I wasn't the guy that, out there willing to push right up against the line. And as a result, I was sitting there and the truth is I just didn't have quite enough clients to sustain a business. And I was looking for answers. So if you fast forward about a year, you know, during that year, I'd done everything, right? I'd spent money that I didn't have on, on radio spots and newspaper ads, on doing mail outs, the whole gamut of things that you hear about people doing for marketing. And yet none of it was really working. And so I finally hit the point where I knew that, okay, this is not going to happen. I'm going to have to find another job, a real job that actually pays me so I can keep some money coming in to feed the family. And it was at a lunch that I had with now the co-host of the Big Picture Retirement Podcast, John Ross. Uh, we've been friends for many years, and we were eating lunch that day, and he had just returned from a conference. And at this conference, he had heard a speaker talk on Social Security benefits. And so he said, man, this guy was talking about all kinds of stuff like file and suspend, restricting the scope of an application. Now, this was 2011 or maybe 12 at that point. There weren't too many people talking about it. I know for a fact I wasn't talking about it because I'd never heard of this stuff, right? I'm mm -hmm. thinking, man, I allegedly have been helping people with retirement planning now for nearly a decade. I don't have a clue what he's talking about. So I need to figure this out. I need to see what's going on here. 
And there was something about it once I cracked that door open that the Social Security hook just got in deep. Part of it was I knew it was a lifeline for the practice. I knew that that was going to be my ticket to be able to stay in business because it was going to open some doors and let me talk to people, let me get to know people and and to get me in front of those people. And that's exactly what it did. I didn't think it would get to the point where it is now, you know, where we have the YouTube channel and the blog and all of that. But I suppose I underestimated the appetite that was actually out there for good advice and uh, knowledge about Social Security. Well, that's uh, appreciate you sharing that, especially how you were trying to just get more intelligent about Social Security itself. Probably why you call it call it the Social Security Intelligence uh, blog and, and podcast. It's just let's get let's get smarter about Social Security, and it's going to take a lot of effort and time to do that. And of course, you are you know giving that intelligence out to out to others uh, for free. I mean, the YouTube channel, the the blog, the podcast, everything's out there uh, for free. We'll have links to it all. Um, and so here, here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to get everybody that's listening. We're going to get you smarter about social security. And that's why I brought Devin on the show. He's been doing this for years. Like he, he mentioned, and even though I talk a lot about social security, let's, let's just hear it from somebody else, uh, as well. And before we get into how do you get smarter with social security? What do you do with social security? I'm just gonna ask you, Devin, your opinion is social security going to be there? Well, it depends on the demographic that we're talking about, right? I certainly think that there's uh, there's a portion of the population that the current program will be in place for them. You know, my thought right now is that if you're 60 and over, and that's just kind of a shot in the dark, it may be 55 and over. But if you're nearing retirement, and certainly if you're in retirement, I don't think the program's going to change. But we do know the program is going to change for either everyone below that or maybe everyone but i certainly think it's it's more likely to impact those who are younger we're going to see some programmatic changes no question about it that's going to happen the depth of those changes we don't know yet well it's it's interesting too because people talk about social security as if it's never changed before it has changed of course the last time it's changed was 40 years ago 1983 uh, was really when they had the biggest uh, changes right. and you know that are affecting people uh, today. Although for the people that they made the changes for, uh, it was for everyone that was, I believe, 39 and younger at the time is how it worked out. So uh, they made changes to people that were 35 years away uh, from, from Social Security, 25 years away from Social Security, not to anyone that was any close. And of course, the last time it seemed like Social Security is being talked about changing was the 2008 elections, which now we're talking 15 years ago. And everyone thought it was uh, crazy. Paul Ryan, who's from Wisconsin, he wants to change Social Security if you're 55 and younger. Well, now those people, the 55-year-olds are now 70. <laughs> They're well into it. So Social Security has changed. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about it. My, my general advice is that uh, it, it seems like 55 has been the cutoff for where where politicians talk about if they'll change it or not. So if you could just get to 55 as soon as you can, that's probably your best bet uh, yeah. in terms of planning for any changes with Social Security. Although I got a feeling you're maybe right on where the closer we get, the more it will have to be somebody that's uh, you know below 60 perhaps that yeah. needs to make a change. But uh, who knows, that's all political speculation. The positive of us getting closer and closer where Social Security has to change is they'll finally actually make a change to it yeah. <laughs> on there. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, Jeremy, those last changes that were made in 1983, right? 
they were literally made weeks before the trust fund would have been empty. Yes. I hope they don't duplicate that again, right? Mm -hmm. I hope we don't get right up to the edge of the precipice before they make those next changes. Yeah. Now, historically, though, that's the way they've made changes. And we see a lot of people out there that's crowing about don't cut Social Security. Well, we're either going to cut it by legislation or cut it by not having legislation. One of the two is going to happen, period. Uh, The only other... Uh, someone's getting it cut, right? The 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 only other thing that can happen is to increase taxes. And mm-hmm. there's just not enough high income earners as we get closer to that edge for the extra tax revenue coming in off of them to keep the current system afloat. You right. know, we can look at a lot of the uh, congressional budget office reports and, and you can see that raising taxes alone just isn't going to do it now. Now, it would mm-hmm. have several years ago, but now it's just, you know, it's not going to happen. So, you know, th- we've got to come up with a solution that is probably a combination of increasing the full retirement age and increasing the maximum taxable wage base. I think those mm-hmm. two things will likely happen. Now, some of the other things that we're seeing talked about quite a bit is some sort of other means testing that could be added in. You know, the truth is, when I see my people come in that have millions of dollars in retirement assets, relative to the rest of their income, that Social Security benefit is just not as critical mm-hmm. for them. That doesn't mean that they don't need it and they haven't does they don't deserve it because they've paid into those taxes and they have had an expectation that they're going to get that. But moving forward, I think that those expectations may have to be tempered a bit and high income individuals may have to understand that they may not get that same benefit moving forward. Yeah, and I already point out when you're talking to anyone that's a higher income, that Social Security already is progressive in that the more money you make, the less you rely on Social Security because the less that they're gonna pay you out. If you make between roughly, let's just call it 70 grand and 140 grand a year uh, for your averages, uh, they're gonna only pay you out 15% of that portion of your income. And of course, if you make more than those rough dollar amounts, they don't pay you on anything right now already. If you're making a million dollars a year, the big focus is look at this millionaire who uh, doesn't pay the FICA, the social security taxes. Well, they didn't earn any credits for that either. They're not they're not catching anything back uh, on that. So that, I guess that's a uh, one thing to keep in mind. Chances are there will be a change. There has to be a change and it will affect people who are younger and perhaps it'll affect people who are wealthier because it's already affecting people who are wealthier. You get a smaller percentage paid back to you when you have high income than when you have low income. And so you just need to uh, rely on yourself and your own savings. And of course, like you said, it's not an insignificant amount. You ought to get the most out of Social Security when you file for it. And that's what we really want to dive into is how do you file for and get the best on your Social Security? And you had an interesting take about these uh, Social Security calculators. And there's thankfully a lot of social security calculators. I'd rather somebody go out and use a calculator than rely on hearsay, which seems to be like what 90% of people do is just rely on what their their buddy told them. Uh, but tell me your thoughts on these social security calculators and how it may or may not help somebody make a good social security choice. So I, I do have one big issue with the social security software that's out there. And that is that they tend to look at your social security benefits in isolation. 
Mm-hmm. They take all of your other financial assets, your income, your retirement savings, and it's it's all over here. And here is your Social Security benefit. So they want to see what's your earnings history, what's your benefit amount, what's your age, what what about the information that's the same for your spouse. Now let's calculate how can we get you the maximum amount of payments over your lifetime. And that's the only information that it really considers. It doesn't consider how does this fit in with the rest of your information. Now, when I've so told some people this in the past, they said, yeah, well, Devin, I think it would be nearly impossible to you know, be able to model that out in any kind of software environment. And that's why they, they do it that way. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that it could be modeled out. And in fact, you know, with our financial planning software that we use for our clients, we absolutely are able to, to build that out and look at the impacts of filing at various ages. You know, for example, let's take the conventional retirement planning wisdom of delaying is always best, right? That's the the academics all believe that. Social security software almost always will suggest that. And most people that are engaged in financial planning will also tell you delay as long as possible. But when you when you get into the individual scenarios, what you can find is that in some cases by delaying, especially if you have a bad sequence of returns, then you could see someone's balance get nearly close to being depleted. And so, yeah, Social Security uh, pushing it up, delaying it is some fantastic longevity insurance. No question about it. But how large is the premium for that longevity insurance? And are you willing to pay that premium? You know, if if by maximizing Social Security, it requires you to sacrifice your retirement savings, are you willing to do that? And I think that's just conversations that need to be held on an individual level. I don't think that this one-size-fits-all approach of the higher earner delays as long as he can, but preferably till 70, um, and then the lower earning spouse needs to file you know, probably when the higher earning spouse files or at their full retirement age, you know, some of those rules of thumb that are out there, I think they need to be trashed and that decision needs to be made on an individualized basis. It's Jeremy Kyle here. And I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. Yeah, I love the focus on both what you ought to do as an individual and how does your Social Security decision affect everything else. Because uh, you're right on this, this Social Security calculator, whatever it is, only looks at one piece of it. I tell people that the Social Security calculators, they're computers, which means they're heartless. Uh, if they can get you one penny more between now and the day you die, they're going to give you that one penny more. The problem is you don't know when you're going to die. Uh, and so it's really dependent on uh, which what you put in for your your ages. And so we'll, we'll put in sometimes uh, a certain age and then we'll move it up or down by a year, two years, five years. And it's amazing how it's like, oh, if you die at 81, this is the absolute best way you got to do it. 
What if it's 82? Well, it's, this is the absolute best way. It's some, simply different. And so you really need to add in the probabilities, really, uh, which, is, right. which is tough to do. Thankfully, we use a place called longevityillustrator.org. Uh, it's free. Uh, anyone right now can go to longevityillustrator.org and get the probabilities of how long they might live. And more importantly, something called joint life expectancy. If there's two of you in your social security decision, then what are the odds that you'll both be around? Because parts of your social security are only around if you're both around. Right. Other parts of your social security are around for a longer time because it just takes one of you uh, to be there. And it's it's interesting on there where we'll see, and okay, the higher earner waiting on it, uh, a lot of times has a 90% chance of probability of working out, which is pretty good. Like, I'd love to go into a casino and have a 90% chance of walking out with with more money. That's that's pretty good odds. But you can do the same thing when you go into Social Security. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of the younger earning spouses, it is like 51%. Like, this is pretty close to the coin flip that people oftentimes think Social Security is. Uh, well, the computer's going to tell you if it's a 51% chance of success, you better wait. And of course, us humans, most humans would probably say, well, it's 50-50, I'd rather have the money right now. So just knowing the probabilities of how long you might be getting uh, one of your benefits is is super important. I, I haven't seen a calculator that incorporates that uh, yet in there. Is what are the chances that uh, of how long your, your decision is going to last for you? Yeah. No, I haven't seen a, a, a software program yet that does what I think is an appropriate job of balancing those. You know, mm -hmm. the financial planning software that we use uh, in our firm here, you know, there, there's a there's a drop down or a button in there that just says optimize social security, mm -hmm. which as far as I can tell, is pretty much the same thing as saying file at 70. Yeah. Because that's what it always goes to and, and mm -hmm. it doesn't really mesh up all of the other stuff that well. So Jeremy, I think, you know, if you're inclined to develop some software, yeah. I think there's a business model there for you. <laughs> there might be, because there's so many things. You got the probability of how long you might live. You got to uh, incorporate taxes into it. Uh, you've got to incorporate how it fits together with your other, uh, your other assets on there. One thing that uh, you said to me earlier uh, that you love about Social Security is getting that check just kind of smooths the retirement ride. Uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of value sometimes in smoothing the ride. You know, if you go back to the conversation we were having just a moment ago about filing at different ages, right? So if you file at 70, and the scenario that I ran was for someone that just has a million dollars in their IRA, no other retirement savings. So they've got the million dollars and they have Social Security benefits. Mm -hmm. So if they're retiring at 62, and they're having to make the decision, okay, we're going to retire at 62. That decision is made. So now what's in front of us is, do we take distributions from our IRA from 62 to 70 and then file for benefits at that point? And at that point, their, their distributions from their retirement accounts could go way down. Or do we go ahead and file for Social Security and take some distributions from the IRA and just kind of have a little bit coming from both? Well, most financial planners would say, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. And then when you put it into the financial planning software and it has the little probability of success that comes up, it shows a better probability of success for delaying it than it does for filing early. Although interestingly enough, I have a friend who has another financial planning software that also does the Monte Carlo analysis. 
and it returned the exact opposite scenario on the probability of success. So I'm not real sure exactly exactly why that is. It should be pretty cut and dried, right? But for some reason, it had that flipped. But in my software, it showed the probability of success was lower if you filed earlier. But then when you go into the cash flows and you look at just linear returns, that didn't quite tell a very good story about delaying. And then if you introduce variable returns, so say that same, I think we were using a 7% average rate of return. If you use that same average rate of return, except now you make it variable. And then you further assume that the first two years are negative years. Mm. And I think the exact numbers that I used when I was building this illustration was the first year was negative 21%. The second year was negative 15%. That couple with the million dollars gets their portfolio balance down to $220,000. Or wants to see that. Trying to get a higher social security benefit down the road. And so that goes back to that, okay, is that longevity insurance really worth that kind of money to you? Now, I can make the argument that, yes, it is, because down the road, you're going to be able to, uh, to really trim down those distributions. But I don't know how many people would actually go through with that, right, and, and hold the line when they see their portfolio balance dropping. And all the while, they have this Social Security benefit that's over there just waiting on them. Mm -hmm. I don't think that behaviorally, most people are programmed that way. So I, I think at least understanding those risks up front is really important. And I think that psychologically, having a smoother ride gives a better experience in retirement. Well, essentially too, with psychologically, because it is uh, very, it's a valid and one that mathematically does make a lot of sense where why don't you wait a year, let's just go with one year, wait one year on social security and let it grow by 8%. Meanwhile, perhaps draw money out of the bank that uh, up until 2022 was getting zero. And thankfully going into 2023, could be getting three, four, 5%, depending on how you have it invested in bank type of accounts. Uh, but even then, why, why would you spend your 5% money uh, when you can have your 8% money keep on growing. Like you're still better off waiting on social security at 8% and spending out your bank at 5%. And I've gone through that with a lot of people and they agree and it makes sense. And and you can afford to take money out of your bank account. And then I check it with them a month later and six months later and a year later, and they didn't. They skipped all their vacations for the year uh, and they just felt horrible like they lost by taking money out of their their bank accounts. That's, that's one thing that I've been uh, as a math oriented person and somebody who's gone through and said, Hey, you can afford to take out 30 grand this year from your bank, because we know next year you'll get, you know, 32,000 out of your social security. Uh, and that's right. a better deal than just getting 30,000 from your social security this year. It's, it's a mathematically better deal. It's going to work out for you 95% of the time. And then they just don't bother taking the money out. They just can't take the money on the bank. So that's, there's a huge amount of value. I'm still trying to figure out how do you assign a value to to that. Uh, but I think you're pointing that out accurately, that there is a huge value to getting money uh, every month and enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to agree, you know, and, and I've had a lot of those clients like that as well, where you lay out a plan and maybe that plan is for them to delay. And then they call you a year later and they say, you know, I just went ahead and filed. Mm -hmm. I, I know you're going to fuss at me. And you know, it, it's it's almost this apologetic 
approach that they're taking and, um, you know, well, it shouldn't be right. It's, it's their mm-hmm. decision. We're here just to give them some guidance on making the yep. most optimal decision. But I think it's real easy for us planners to forget that, you know, finance is both emotional and what makes sense on paper. A good example of that is my house. So it does not make sense for me to pay my house off at mm-hmm. all. Back, uh, it was probably a couple of years ago, uh, John, the co-host of the Big Picture Retirement Podcast, he actually called me one day and he said, hey, if you're thinking about refinancing your house, you need Go to call it, right? this lady at this bank because mm-hmm. we just got this rate. And I said, there's no way. I've never heard of someone refinancing a house for that. So I called and sure enough, was able to lock it in. We re- refinanced our house for 1.85%. Oh, my goodness. That's a ridiculously ro- low rate. Mm-hmm. And yet my wife is adamant that we pay that off early. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've got all the spreadsheets. I've been able to show her everything. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Still, she wants to pay it off early. That emotional side says, I want a paid off house. I understand that I might be slightly better off over here, but I want the assurance that my house is paid for. And I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. And so balancing those things out sometimes is difficult. And, you know, when we take these hard approaches, like, no, you should delay until 70, even if you can tell that's not what the client is necessarily wanting or leaning to. That's a, that's a tough sell sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this is great. I think that uh, what what I'm getting most from you, Devin, is that uh, you need to incorporate all the factors and actually kind of balance them out. Where uh, a lot of times people are solving for how do I get the most amount of money this month when they retire? Well, that's just going to be instantly take both your social securities, and that might not actually balance out well with the right. the the end of life and getting money that way. And the opposite. You, you can run a bunch of calculators and things and say, well, if I get an extra dollar, I ought, ought to be waiting on this. And maybe that doesn't just balance out everything. So I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing, the, the summary, we'll put this in the summary, I suppose, is, is actually get all the factors and then kind of balance them out. Don't solve for one particular thing when you are filing and considering when to file for Social Security. I agree with you 100%, Jeremy. Yeah, good. Well, that's uh, it's always fun when somebody agrees with you, especially someone who's such a social security intelligentsia uh, out there. So appreciate it, Devin. <laughs> For well, sure. been... You know, it, it, it's funny, Jeremy, that, so I get, I don't know how many emails a day I get, a lot. So we've got yeah. somewhere between a million and 2 million people a month that's consuming our content and they mm-hmm. can sniff out your email and they will. They'll go out yeah. there and they find it. And I get all of these emails. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of these emails are about choosing the right age to file. Yeah. I mean, that's the burning question that's on mm-hmm. everyone's mind. And that's despite all of the reading or all of the writing that's out there about it, right? All yep. of the financial publications, you know, the the investopedias, the nerd wallets, the bank rates, all of those, mm-hmm. you can read a plethora of articles that yep. make the case for delaying filing. And yet they're reading that and somehow it's not resonating with these people. And they're mm-hmm. saying, but I think my situation may be different because of this. And so if you know financial advisors would lean into that a little bit more. And say, wait a minute, I I think what they're saying is not necessarily what, you know, th- they're not hearing it the way that we're delivering it. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to figure out, you know, emotionally, why doesn't this connect with them? And is there a better approach we can take to make them feel more comfortable in retirement? 
Well, that's exactly it. And you'll hear me say uh, the tagline for a podcast, which is, uh, if you know more about your money, you'll feel better about your money and you'll make better money decisions. Well, that's, that's what you're doing is you're helping people know more about their money when it comes to their social security. And what you said right there is they're going to feel better about that decision, which means it's a better decision because they've learned more and they, they know how it applies to them specifically. Yes. Awesome. Well, Devin, I've got one more question, uh, question for you, but before we get to that, tell us what's the best way for people to reach out to you, uh, learn from you, uh, take a look at all your stuff. You know, so there's there's three main channels that I have. There's the uh, Social Security Intelligence. That's the blog. That's the that's what goes all the way back to right after I discovered Social Security. You know, I, I figured by by writing it and teaching it, I could learn it mm -hmm. twice, right? I could, I could learn it once. And then I really had to know it to be able to put it into an article. And it was kind of my avenue for driving that information down deep. Mm -hmm. Then I started a YouTube channel, uh, which was awful in the beginning, by the way. <laughs> I, it was horrible. I was recording with an Android phone and, and uh, most of those videos are deleted now, so they're not on there anymore. Uh, but then the YouTube channel kind of picked up and grew. And then in addition, we have the Big Picture Retirement Podcast. That's with my co-host, John Ross, uh, where we talk about a broader retirement planning conversation and not just Social Security benefits. So those are really the three areas where I can be found. Perfect. And we'll get all those in the, the show notes. And of course, if you'd like to learn more, about the work we're doing here, just uh, check us out. It's retirement-revealed.com. All right, Devin, final question. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is rated clean. Okay. Well, hey, this is uh, this is clean. All right. I'll take it. Few people know. They think I'm a. They, they think I'm this guy that really follows Social Security, so I must be pretty nerdy. And I guess I am when I'm at my office. <laughs> but on my days off. There's a, there's a couple of things that I love to do. I look for any excuse I can to get on my tractor, right? It doesn't matter what it is. My wife laughs at me because she's like, it looks like a job for your tractor, doesn't it? Yep, mm -hmm. it is. But the other thing when I can't find a job for my tractor is I love to, uh, I love barbecuing, right? And so some people call barbecuing maybe grilling a steak or something. That's not barbecuing. I'm talking about low and slow making mm -hmm. a pork roast, making a brisket, maybe some ribs and, and perfecting that. I love to spend a Saturday or a Sunday with something in the smoker, with that smoke coming out, knowing that at some point I'm going to pull that out and hopefully it'll be good. It's yeah. not always though. That's fun. Well, I got two questions for you to follow up on that. On the, um, on your smoker, do you, did you go high tech? Do you have like the app and the, uh, are you looking at the, the meat temperature, the air temperature? I've seen a couple of those and it's, uh, it's fascinating to see the, the graphs of figuring out when is this, uh, when is this meat ready? So uh, a couple of things, I, I've got the really fancy smoker that has mm -hmm. the app and all of the temperature probes and yep. all of the stages that you hit and you do all of this different stuff. And then I've got the old offset smoker that's more old school where you're putting the sticks of hickory in there and hoping your temperature doesn't fluctuate too much. Yeah, oh, that's fun. And of course, uh, we're out of Wisconsin, so I gotta ask, is that an international harvester? On the, uh, on what? On your, uh, on your, uh, your tractor. Oh, no, it's a Kubota. Kubota, okay, <laughs> fun, awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Devin. You've helped us a ton learning more about Social Security, getting better, more intelligent with Social Security. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you'll feel better about your money 
and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning.